Audacious Compassion, Episode 9. That Dude Bro Shoulder Bumping Thing. Toothpaste, lemonade, polka dots and stripes. You're a dark night, and I'm the day. We're a wreck, and that's all right. Hello, and welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And I'm Melissa Avery Weir. And today we'll be talking about when you have repeated arguments with a person, even when there's nothing to argue about. So, Melissa, how are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. Uh, my health isn't great. <laughs> uh, physical health in particular. Um, I've got a couple things, one of which definitely requires surgery, the second of which will probably require surgery. Neither are life-threatening. Neither are life-threatening, which is why I have not had the surgeries yet. Um, but you've got, you've had sleep problems, you're right. having discomfort during the day. Right. Um... So I just don't feel great. Um, and part of that is it's resulting in like these sort of mixed signals in myself of what it means to feel better. So, you know, like comfort food feels nice and sleeping more or staying up and relaxing. Like there's all these sort of conflicting things. Um, and so there are evenings where I find myself having silly arguments with myself of, you know, no, you should curl up and read a book or no, how about you just go to bed earlier? Like, just arguing about ways to take care of myself when the ultimate goal is to take care of myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's silly. Um, and, you know, there's also work I need to do for, yeah. for future-proof games or taxes or whatever, just being an adult. Um, so how are you doing? I, I've been uh, probably, I think I mentioned this before, uh, staying on Twitter a bit too more than I should. Mm-hmm. Um I, I value a lot of the a lot of the communication and and community that that I see on Twitter and similar places, but I, I often get bummed out by some of the anger and rage and aggressiveness that communities often have on Twitter. So, yeah. like uh, the new Mass Effect game came out recently. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, I think it's called. I hadn't heard if it was out or coming out. So okay. uh, I think it's the demo is out, and you can buy it just recently or soon. Anyway, um, it seems to not be great, but people are really, really angry about it, and oh. their anger kind of claims to be about on the top level, like you you made a bad game, right? You made a game that we don't. That that in a in a franchise that we really like, but we don't like the game, but it tends to be tends to have this really misogynist undercurrent, and sometimes descends into like those social justice warriors have ruined our game because they want ugly characters or something <laughs> preposterous, right? And so it feels like there's there's this this anger and, and energy and rage at some parts of the art form which are you know it's really just like you know people with privilege who feel their position of primacy threatened yeah right it's it's we've been safe and comfortable as 
what whatever white says straight dudes whatever combination of those you are for a long time and now the fact that there's more stuff being made visibly by and visibly for other sorts of people mm-hmm. they're feeling like there's there's this threat and so that's what they're really bugged by often and that's kind of getting conflated and mixed in with people who legit are just angry that mass effect is bad and <laughs> and those people are feeding on each other and and all this stuff and the same thing is happening in in politics at the moment where you get <laughs> like weird even i mean we clearly have our political leanings but like even about the the russian connections for for donald trump at the moment yeah. like it's a legit concern if there's foreign influence on the presidency but the rage and extreme almost apocalyptic language surrounding the situation yeah is is clearly people who are angry or scared or hurt about a bunch of different things and latching on like this one thing i mean this is not unlike the lock her up chanting right right like, yeah i mean it's the same thing it's it's impeach him he's a you know he's a russian stooge he's being controlled by putin well probably not probably probably not. you know probably it's mostly just he makes <laughs> billions of dollars off of his russian connections he's if, got he, Steve if he comes out all right <laughs> but it's probably both more banal and more far-reaching than the people who are most angry yeah are, are making it out to be right and same thing with like you know if mass effect is bad i haven't played it it's probably just that you know it was made by a big corporation by a large team and they got their priorities wrong right that's just mostly like, all of it just like any other bad video game yeah. on that scale yeah and also if it's bad it's probably you know what a, the classic seven out of ten right it's probably not actually terrible right but that that sort of stuff bums me out and i i wish i could kind of shake people and be like hey yeah. have some perspective this this stuff is a problem or not depending on what you're talking about but it's not something to to blow up out of proportion or get out of context right if i feel myself getting pulled into that cycle of of rage and fear i try and take a step back yeah. sometimes i'm successful sometimes i'm not so in the spirit of pulling away from that stressor mm -hmm. uh we got a, a prompt that we can discuss to, to distract ourselves yes um, and this one's not from me <laughs> yes yes um so this one is from from tom root in Visibee on twitter a co-worker and i can't stop violently agreeing with each other is this an like an argue for an hour then aggressively realize you don't disagree situation pretty much often over coding minutiae there might be a lack of mutual respect or too much ego or something like that. Yeah. So you and I have have uh, run into this in the past. Ugh. <laughs> with, with each other. Yes. Specifically, yes. yes. Yeah, between us, we, we like to talk about things and are opinionated. I don't know what you're talking I'm not opinionated. And often that's, you know, spirited discussion coming to consensus doing a synthesis of our viewpoints sometimes we just kind of spin our wheels yes so we might be i don't know talking about how a character is portrayed on some show we like and i'll think i have some great insight <laughs> sorry go on <laughs> <laughs> and 
your response might be might actually be like no duh or something but the way that we're communicating it it might i might think that you don't get what i'm trying to say and mm-hmm. you might think that that i'm just continuing to be obstinate mm-hmm. and and i mean we had a problem with this for a while like mm-hmm. like we like went to bed angry yeah from time to time until we finally kind of talked about it and we're like hey when this happens let's call it out like if one of us spots this happening right or we can even like check in and be like hey is this one of those times when we're not really arguing or when we just don't care right like yeah it might be that i'm like there's this cool thing i want to talk about and you're like i don't care right. like okay whatever <laughs> um because you can't uh judge john hodgman has, has said you can't make people like things you can't also can't make people care about things. Exactly. Yep. Like if someone doesn't isn't interested in a conversation, telling them why they should be interested rarely works, mm-hmm. unless they've got a personal stake in it. Right. But this, I mean, this happens at work. This happens all sorts of other times. It's, I mean, other than our classic solution of have that meta discussion. What's, what's going on under the hood when you've got this this coworker where. Say you're like, I think this should be done one way. And they're like, I think it should be done this way. And it turns out you're talking about the same approach. Right. But you argue for like an hour over it, like trying to convince them that you're right when maybe, you know, maybe you're just using different words for the same thing. Exactly. And that's, so I think of a few things when I hear things like this, I want to reflect back on my own situations like this. So one thing that comes to mind is... You've got this strong opinion that's rattling in your head, and you aren't done saying your piece about it. So you're kind of waiting for the other person to stop talking. Yeah. So you can talk more, and it's the like, other person's doing that too. Instead of talking to the person you're actually talking with, you're like having a, a conversation with a fictional adversary. Exactly. Yeah, This. I mean, this happens in anything where you've got the potential for opposing viewpoints. A lot of political discussions, right? Like, you end up with... You realize the person you're talking to is arguing about a fictional, maybe a fictional social justice warrior or a fictional yeah. black person or whatever it yeah. is. These like, people say this thing, and and, and your response is kind of like, I've I've never heard anyone say that thing, and they're like, right. well, I have, and it's like, but oh, you're arguing, oh, you're oh, talking to okay. me, okay? Like, why why are we? Yeah. yeah. Um. So there, that can happen sometimes. Um. And sometimes I think, like, especially in the workplace, um. People don't check in with themselves. Like, so I, I just started this new job. Mm-hmm. And this place is, like, super into, like, health. Yeah, in a way that seems pretty cool in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, you got, you know, not only, like, free fruit, but, like, hey, everybody stretch in the morning. Right, yeah, there's there's a sort of a, a time set aside for stretching, yeah, from head to toe, essentially, um, as a group activity. Uh, so it's a it's a cool place, and it, it has reminded me of the fact that, like, you can sit all day in many offices and never really pay attention to what your body's doing. Yeah, that's, and, that's certainly something I struggle with. Right, which means that by the end of the day, if someone brings up something, it's easy to get heated or to not care as much. Like, your moods are kind of separated from what they would otherwise be. Yeah, because you might literally already be hot and have a headache. Right. 
um, and have been ignoring it for hours or something like that. Um, and so those things can escalate. Like mm-hmm. you, if you feel like you're not being heard or that the person isn't understanding you, you feel like you've said it 10 ways. And we've got this culture where like work is supposed to be work. Like you're not supposed to get emotional about it. You're supposed to be objective. Right. And like you, that's not how human beings work. Like exactly. we, if, if we care about something, we have feelings about it. Mm-hmm. And so you, it, the only way to reconcile that is to ignore the fact that you're annoyed at something else or annoyed at this person for something else mm-hmm. or whatever. Tom mentions, you know, it might be a lack of mutual respect. Like there's this, there are some people that kind of start with an a, assumption of incompetence. Yeah. They start, and and these aren't even the most cynical people you'll work with. Yeah, those front-end coders are all idiots. Right. Or those managers don't know what they're doing. They're incompetent. Exactly. Which means that you are immediately, argue, you're immediately having conflict in a position in which you believe you have dominance or you have the upper hand in some fashion, and they might believe the same, right? And so if it doesn't fit your narrative of, let me tell you how it should be, oh, you are so wise, oh, wise one, right. then you instantly go into fight mode. Right. So yeah, it's that kind of defensive mechanism there of, of going in with guns guns drawn, at least. Yeah. Even when the... If you, if you took a pause and you asked, what's the goal of this conversation? People who want to give the right answer will say, we would like to come to some sort of consensus on how to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, someone might say, I want to win, but... Yeah. But that's a little less likely to be verbalized. Even though that's the goal, that's clearly not the tactics being used. Yeah. And, I mean, people have constructed huge systems to handle this sort of thing. Like, all the parliamentary procedure stuff or <laughs> or, or debate processes. I mean, those are all ways to structure a conversation to avoid going off on tangents. Like, you state your viewpoint up front mm-hmm. you state yo i'm providing supporting information but that like feels awful well, I mean, if it's a conversation but that's what nbc is too right like yeah yeah is... nonviolent communication is kind of like here's how to use this structure but that's that's sort of that's often i've already realized there's a problem when you start learning probably yes you probably start learning because Things aren't going well, yeah. but theoretically, two people who know NBC are kind of using it to communicate all the time. Ostensibly, yeah. yeah. Or, or anytime they think there's going to be a conflict. Yeah. So, is there some process you should be using when you have every serious work conversation, or how do you recognize when this problem is going to arise? I would say, like first, first level is to recognize that you're having it with a particular person often. Yeah. Right? Because that feels so much easier to manage than, I need to talk a certain way to everybody in my office all the time. Like, here's a problem. Here's a problematic relationship that you can address. Um, And that feels much more handleable. Just be this this person, just apply more rigor to. Exactly. Um, Now, it... For some reason, I mean, any other any other topic, any other episode, I'd be like, have a meta conversation um, with exactly that voice. But I think it'd be really weird to have a meta conversation about this. 
<laughs> I mean, it depends on the personalities, like... Well, you've got someone who will aggressively agree with you. R- right, but, like, I've had people that I would aggressively agree with who I could also be like, huh, wow, we always have these these arguments. <laughs> hey, man, let's... let's yeah. Make sure that we're in the future we're talking about this and and there's there's still sort of a I don't know, I can I can code masculine. I can go into that sort of like dude bro <laughs> shoulder bumping really? thing where it's like, well, I mean not very well, <laughs> but but I can I can at least, you know, play by the rules of the game where it's like we're both going to be the bigger person and and rise above this. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's just a that's just a dominance conflict on another level. Yeah. Um, but if it gets you out of the annoying ar- argument, like yeah, I don't know, I'll 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 pass for a bit and play that game so I don't have to talk to this person more. Yeah. But yeah, I think in a lot of cases it will be just just you don't want to make every every argument without a point become an argument about whether you're having an argument? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you... I think you might have to for a while. Like, you... Like, okay, so so if it's me and I recognize that I'm having this kind of conflict a lot with a particular person, I might, like, make it specifically a practice to on, let's say, the second or third time I feel like I've repeated myself in a conversation. Hmm. To pump the brakes and be like, hey, could you lay out exactly what it is that you want? Not not what you want from the conversation. Like, what are we... Lay out what we're arguing about. Um, and just let them make their argument in one big, boring paragraph. Yeah. And listen. And listen. And it feels like... It, it would feel like... A, I could see it feeling like, depending on my mood, it would. feel like a concession. Like you're losing. Yeah. Um, which... You gotta get it, like that's that's not good. Um, yeah, but that, that's a warning. If if it feels if you care about winning a conversation, that's a red flag, <laughs> right? Um, but then maybe maybe there is something to argue with there, or maybe you go, I agree with ninety eight percent of this, but I would pivot on that point right there, right? Yeah, you actually get to hear the whole thing without bickering. Um, you can't make them listen, but you can. Yeah. And then that, you and then you abort. You get out. Like. Yeah. I mean, active listening is is a thing that that is more useful than people give it credit for. Like, just if you are trying to repeat what you heard them say, mm-hmm. then you're you have to listen to them. Yes. Like you can break your part of this feedback loop, and maybe maybe they'll follow your lead. Yeah. People often do. Like, often when you're like, okay, I'm hearing you say this and this and this. Often people will be like, oh, I thought you were saying this. Right. And sometimes the wording of that reflection. So you just said, I hear you're saying X, Y, Z. That is, that can sound very different than, are you saying X, Y, Z? Yeah. <laughs> Even if you say it, like, completely, calmly, Sometimes it will sound like a challenge. Yeah, it's very easy for, are you saying this, to turn into, how can you be saying it, this? Exactly. Um, in your head or in theirs. Or, yeah, it doesn't, it, it almost doesn't matter if those are, if that is the tone or the words that came out of your mouth, if that's how they perceive it. Having a third party be present is often useful. If this is not a water cooler situation, but this is a meeting situation, mm-hmm. like... I often find myself the person where people are just kind of talking at each other in a meeting, 
and I'm the one being like, hey, hold up. So you're saying this and you're saying this, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out that they're very close or that, like, the discussion isn't actually philosophical. It's just about, like, are we spending two hours a day on this or one long day? Right. Which, so this makes me think of a situation I might be facing at the new job in the next week or two, um, where there's a potential for, for conflict of almost exactly this sort, sort of programming styles or whatever. I think I heard a bit about this today. Yeah. Where two people will disagree, and it will probably be me and someone else. <laughs> and there's a third person who also tends to disagree and probably differently. I think that there's an opportunity for the three of us to build a, a team amongst ourselves by mediating for each other mm-hmm. or by being that, like, you know, hey, can you just listen to the two of us talk about this topic and help us iron out the merits and, and cons of that? And then we'll add in your opinion and come to some sort of consensus, right? Like, um, so having a third party, I think, could be a good idea. If that's an option, I don't know. My last gig, I worked on by myself, so. Yeah. <laughs> and often this violent disagreement violent agreement is a little disagreement it's like we agree about everything except the word we should use for this thing right and so asking the question this is a weird it's always feels like a weird question to ask but asking the question what part of this do you care about yeah yeah because often i have this thing at work where someone's like how do we want to do this and i'm like i think we should do a b c d and e right and another person says i think we should do f g h i j and like what i the only thing i actually care about is b right there's a there's a priority to yeah there's stuff where i'm like i think we should call it foo instead of bar Mm mm-hmm but I don't care. Like, if we call it bar, it's fine. Right. Like, it, that's fine. There might it's be not con- my preference. Yep, there, there are three sets of conventions. You prefer one, but you don't really care. Yeah. Except in a few places. The only important thing I care about, really care about, is this. If y'all want to do it another way, in every other way, that's fine. Right. And it's that's not a compromise. That's right. not a, I'm giving up this thing in exchange for this other thing. It's just hey, since we've got so much to worry about, I don't actually care much about these things. Right. And this makes me think about, uh, this would definitely require a meta discussion, but the um, Fist of Five? Yeah, Fist of Five is a great uh, discussion consensus technique. Um, So this works best in in group meetings where there's no person in authority. We use this in our our live-action role-playing game. Right. Um, And it's basically just a way to gauge the the opinion of the room on a topic and so you have people hold up uh you know you you put uh, motion forth like this can be formal or it can be just be like hey how does everyone feel about us going and getting a pepperoni pizza mm-hmm. um and everyone just holds up a hand and that hand can be a fist which is zero or a certain number of fingers one to five if someone holds up a fist that's a block that's a i will not allow it Mm-hmm. That's a, you will not get me to sign on. Um, a five is, this is the best idea. I totally want it. Great. A three is like, eh, it's fine. Um, and so you kind of sweep the room, and if anyone's got a fist up, that's, oh, that we are not doing that. Right. Um, because a fist is, nothing will ever convince me. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a one or a two, you probably want to talk about it with that person, because that means... You know, one is I have strong reservations, but I'm not going to just 
sit forever on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Two is like, I do not like this. Yeah. Um, And so it might be that you can get everyone to a three, but the part of the skill of the fist of five is you don't want to use it as an excuse to try and convince people. It's yeah. it's a metric. It's it's a how does how do people actually feel about these ideas? Yeah. It's not a oh there are the ones in the room. Let's try and convince them. Right. It's oh we know there are ones in the room. So let's change what we're doing mm-hmm. to get them up. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking about this case where like like maybe there are there's each of you are arguing and there are five pain points. And five is the wrong number to choose, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there are seven pain points. And the question becomes, which of these do you actually care about? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, more, it's more useful in a group that's not yeah. just two people. Otherwise, but it's if, rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, but if there's <laughs> if there's that, that bike shedding, that, that, that discussion of minutia that's not particularly pertinent, um, possibly to avoid the larger issues, mm-hmm. you can be like... You can say, okay, how are we feeling about these? Like, we've got three options on the table, and it might be that one of the op- that two of the three options are like twos from from people. Yep. Someone in the room really dislikes it, mm-hmm. but there might be one option where like two people are at four, which means that they like it, and one person's at three, which is I don't like it, but it's fine. Right. And that's that's the option you should go with. Like, as long as it's not, as long as nobody really dislikes it, go ahead. Right. It's not, unless you're actually saving lives, you're probably not saving lives, right? right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, and you can you can kind of do that informally, just be like, that. that's sort of the, do you care about this? Mm-hmm. How, how much do you dislike this? Right. Yep. So that's another way to kind of disrupt it. One, so I'm thinking of ways, like you're in these conversations and you want to shake it up so that you can stop this pattern. Changing... Literally, how you discuss it. So let's say that this happens. The two of you, one of you walks into the other's cube, you start this argument that's not an argument, and you sit at your cubes and argue. Mm -hmm. Instead, grab a two-person conference room and ask each other to draw it out. Instead, say, let's talk about this via text. Give yourself breathing time, give yourself space. Like, do something physical. Let's go for a walk outside and talk about it. Like, literally change the situation or the environment. Even if you are talking about the same thing, you're not changing the topic, um, but you're changing how you discuss it, which can change how well people perceive they are being heard. So if someone diagrams something out on a whiteboard, and you're like, oh yeah, totally that thing, that's cool. Right. Yeah. You're breaking that feedback loop. Mm-hmm. You're letting those hormones fade a bit. You're not staring into each other's eyes, glaring yeah. at each other, or going, oh, their shirt's stupid, or, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah. Changing the environment or changing the mechanics of the discussion. Yeah. So, so where are we sitting here? We've, so we've got this, per, this specific person, mm-hmm. some people you had this problem with. Right. Recognize that. Mm-hmm. Which, kind of go which Tom in. Has done. Yeah, Tom's <laughs> done a great job of that. So go into this conversation being like, "Oh, hey, there might be cause for for problem here." Right. Um, you know, re- you try to genuinely listen. Maybe repeat back what you hear them saying. Mm-hmm. Maybe ask which of these things they care about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and just do things to break that loop up. Right. So find someone else to talk to. Mm-hmm. Do a do a gauge of how do we like each other's perspectives. Draw on a whiteboard, get some coffee, go for a walk. Yep, I like it. Oh, and so if you find that you're having this problem with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if, yes, if you're having this problem with a lot of people, that means a lot of people are having this problem with you specifically. <laughs> So think about maybe maybe it's you. <laughs> it's a hard realization to come to. I've certainly come to that <laughs> realization at times. Oh man, that's awful, but true potentially. Yeah. So yeah, some self-reflection is is often useful. Right. Then again, maybe your office environment is horrible. Yeah. Like maybe. I've been in office environments that that the lack of mutual respect aspect was immense. People talking about each other behind their backs and talking bad about people they worked with outside of their department. And all of that can fester these kinds of defensive tactics. In that case, start looking for other work. Or see if you can change the culture. Start looking for other work. (laughs) Fair enough. Culture change is hard to do unless you're in a position of authority, in which case that can help. Yes. Even then, it's not easy. No. So what have you been inspired by lately? Uh, so I think you know what I'm going to say. Uh, uh, I've been talking about it a decent amount. For uh, over a month now. Yeah. it's I've been reading Diane Duane's Young Wizards series. Of which there seem um, to be a lot of books. There are a lot of books. So it's, so it's a young adult series that also has a few um, like proper grown-up books in it. Um, but it's, it's a series that I read some of uh, a while back um, in my adolescence Mm -hmm. um but never read more than two of i think um and there are like 10 books in the main young wizards series that are young adult i was gonna say for you to have been reading it for over a month there must be 15 20 books and there are two uh so the young wizards are like teenage wizards and they're they're it's it's not harry potter-ish magic it's like the powers that be have granted magical abilities to some people to like preserve life and and Uh, prevent entropy. So it's more of an angel feel, but less horror. It's like angel, the television, angel, the television show. Yeah. So, so like, you know, there's, there are these cosmic problems that someone needs to take care of. And guess what? You're the chosen ones that, that have to do it. Including the cats. Yeah. And so the, the adult, the adult books are about cat wizards that are, that are sort of, the maintenance people on the interdimensional gateways mm-hmm. because they can they're cats so they can see the 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 strings that tie the weave of the world together yeah um so they're very sweet books um they're fun one of the things that i really like about them is that the problems that people are having are very rarely there is a villain trying to hurt people they're constantly fighting against the lone power, which mm-hmm. is the, the 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 basically the god that invented entropy, the devil, whatever. Um, but with only a few exceptions, it's usually that someone has been misled by either the lone power whispering in their ear or just by sort of like their own weakness into doing something 
that they think will help, but is actually hurting things. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's, I need to save my people. And the only way I can do that is by hurting people. Or I need to, um, or I can fight the, the lone power all by myself and keep them trapped here. But I don't realize how much damage that's doing to myself and to the people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the, the conflict resolution, there's definitely like, I'm going to cast spells and blow things up and, yeah. and walk, walk in, in midair and, and all that stuff and travel to distant alien planets. But Wizards. the resolution, yeah, it's, it's cool stuff, but the resolution is almost always like, you need to understand other people and realize that you've got goals in common and that maybe your conflict is about something more than, than just this. And, and sometimes they listen and sometimes they don't listen and you just have to like, I don't know, cast a spell on them to make them stop. (laughs) But, but that's, you know, even when the, the answer, the difference between a threat and a boundary. Yeah. (laughs) And and usually, and usually the resolute, even, even when diplomacy fails, the resolution is usually not, I am going to destroy you. It's like, I am going to put you someplace where you will be fine, but you can't hurt anyone. Yeah. Um, in, in, you know, in one story, they actually like separate some warring factions by putting them in different points in time. Oh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, so they both get that land because, you know, they are, they don't have it at the same time. Right. So it's, it's a, it is a cool series. Uh, there is a lot of it, but I'm enjoying it. It it definitely has that thing that some authors do where for each book they research some interesting topic and do a book about that mm-hmm. which can go very very wrong if they feel the need to demonstrate their knowledge oh, yes. um, but by diane duane does a good job of of it you know the mars book she shows that she understands stuff about mars yeah the 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 autism book she demonstrates that she knows stuff about autism and portrays you know people with autism as people with right. who you know just think a little differently than than other people and sometimes have some disabilities um and so so it's a it is a cool series i'm almost done i've got three books and some short stories left good grief um then there was a new one that came out february which is one of those so there won't be any new ones for a while so i can i can ease off i won't be trapped forever like a year right i don't know how often she's cranking them out but so she started in 83 so maybe every two years okay so what have you been inspired by lately? Started in 80. Hold on. Can we go back to started in 83? <laughs> yeah. So so the first, I think the first book was 83 or 86. I would like to note, is it worth noting our ages? <laughs> yeah. The, the series is as old as I am. Okay. Roughly. <laughs> roughly. And, and she actually updated it. So like, because it's a, because That's it's right. a young adult series, like in the early books, the kids don't have cell phones. And so some of the plot is surrounding like them being able to communicate with each other without e- you know, without having to use the landline. And so a lot of that stuff kind of got revised and also to make the timeline make sense because these are kids that age. But, I was wondering about that. But current events catch up with them. So yeah. Um, so that's, that's a cool thing she does. But right, what have you been inspired by? I saw the movie Get Out. Um, I need to see that. Jordan Peele's movie. I they, They're both... I loved Key and Peel, and this feels very Peel. Yeah. So I don't normally see horror movies uh, at all. Like I, I think maybe the last 
scary movie I saw was, I don't know, maybe that uh, Korean revenge film, Old Boy? Yeah. That's probably the most recent horror yeah, film. It's only sort of horror. Right. Yeah. Um, so when I think horror, I think like Saw or The Ring or just like... Um, yeah, monster movies. Monster, like, sure. or Or violent porn movies. Right. Um, so not really my bag. Uh, but this one appealed uh, both because it's Jordan Peele, who I trust to do racial horror. Um, yeah, so, so the movie is about black guy gets taken home by his white girlfriend. Yes, taken home to meet the white parents. Um, and... You would think as many trailers as I saw, I mm-hmm. would remember what is a spoiler and what isn't. Um, but it doesn't go well. Um, and I, it's there's there's something weird going on in, the, in town, right? So black people in town are behaving as if they're brainwashed, um, and he does not. He doesn't know what's going on, and seemingly no one does. And so it's this it's this classic story that. I think many black people uh, in America, right? Like, let frame mm-hmm. this as, as an American movie and so on and so forth. Um, that as soon as you say going home to meet the white partner's family, mm-hmm. there was this collective groan in the audience. And as soon as he asked the question, do they know I'm black? Which I'm like, what? Do they not have the internet? But, mm-hmm. you know, he asked, do they know I'm black? She says no. And there's like, 10 of us in the audience who go don't go do bro like mm-hmm. don't go i mean you you have been in this exact situation <laughs> yeah like so it so did not it ended you're, better you're, yeah it ended better it, there wasn't any brainwashing around but you're black i'm white i <laughs> my parents actually were coming to to where i where we were to and to meet you and yeah. i deliberately didn't mention it and that's and it went yeah about as well as could be expected my parents are fine sure so so what was interesting about this movie is sort of this bubble of unity created in the audience. Like some of these, it was a, you know, I would say in this case, a primarily black audience, but also a sprinkling of non-black folks. Um, And the story being told was very much one that resonates with the black experience in America and a variety, like every, every horror part of this film, you go, oh yeah, that dude's just mode switching, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is a this is clearly a metaphor for a thing that yeah, exists. And, and all good horror, like most good speculative fiction, is everything is a metaphor, or right. everything relates to real stuff. Like there, right. it might it's not like allegorical, yeah. But and that's not my experience with horror. Like like when I think of like The Ring, right? It's like, eh, watch TV, seven days, like, whatever. Phone rings or whatever that was. Well, like, nothing of that really resonated yeah, with me. Yeah, movies can... some. I mean, some new movies just don't do it well. Right. Um, some some movies don't try to do it, and some movies don't do it well. Yeah. Um, so, I hardly ever see movies that strike this close to my daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, which just made it, like, it's gonna stick with me. I'm gonna go see it again. Uh, this weekend, take someone else, um, take all my white friends, I guess. I don't know what that is, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah that's kind of weird. But the, the reason I thought of it in this particular case was, was that a lot of those people in the audience 
right? As individuals, we have different experiences. And as individuals, it's fairly likely that we would argue about the significance of each of those kinds of events, the relative importance of them, what things we should be most angry about, what things aren't a problem at all. What you should do. What we should do, right? Burn it all down, convince peacefully, you know, like that uh, sports guy, Copernic or whatever, like he's out of a job now and people are happy about that. Like things like that. But in that for that hour and a half, and it was a pleasantly like succinct and short movie, by the way. Um, it, there was no point at which I felt like it dragged. But mm-hmm. in that bubble of time, we all hooted, hollered, cussed. Like it was a very, mm-hmm. it was delightfully rowdy audience. Um, clapped, uh, cheered for the TSA guy. That was weird. Hmm. Um, so on and so forth. Like that was just a cool moment of unity. Um, yeah, because one of the one of the powers of the speculative fiction is that because there's also a literal interpretation of everything that alludes to mm-hmm. real life, like if the monster represents racism, yeah, that doesn't mean that you can't just fight the monster with weapons, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You can evoke those feelings and have that unity without some of the things that people might have differences about. Right. So, I mean, you can say, and there's there's a critic I really like who has said that, you know, the movie lacked nuance, um, which, sure, like, there's not a part of that movie that I can't point to and say, yeah, this is a metaphor for this. I guess that makes it lack nuance. Like, it's obvious um, to I, me, but I don't know that that yeah, actually Yeah, I don't know. Nuance... I don't know what that means. In a... It's a sliding scale, right? It's like difficulty in a video game. Like, different people respond to different amounts of nuance. So what right. level are you approaching this at? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was beautiful. It was a good movie. Well done. Good I acting. really need to see it. Yep. You definitely need to see it. So we've been talking about a lot of conflicts here that are caused by things other than the topic being discussed. Right. Yeah, you're already in agreement and may not realize it or may just want to express that. D- discussing a bunch of strategies that might be fine, but you disagree on which one's best rather than which one will be any good at all. Mm-hmm. And it gets heated, and... And it... that point kind of feelings take over. Right. Um, so yeah, taking a step back, um, taking a break. One thing we didn't talk about earlier is maybe just stop talking about those things with that colleague. Yeah. Like if there are particular things that are triggers for these arguments, um, and I mean, job responsibilities. Yeah. It, 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 assuming it fits within the bounds of those, maybe you and home skillet just stop arguing about that. Yeah. <laughs> Draw a line to figure out who's, what thing is whose responsibility. Right. You know, same thing with, with when, Twitter arguments get to you, maybe just stop reading Twitter for yeah, now. There's a lot to read on Twitter. Yeah. Follow cute dog things and cute cat things. So yeah, you're, you can try and resolve those arguments when they happen, or you can just not have them. Like, just avoid that situation when possible. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, it can be hard when you begin to associate a person with those arguments. Like, they become something you put energy into, right? I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but you start, if not hating that person, you start putting a lot of things on them. Yeah. Like, 
they are the reason that the culture's bad in the office or, uh, you know, every time X, Y, Z or something like that. So being aware of that sort of thing, taking steps to, to break the cycle. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to me today. Thank you for talking to me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Audacious Compassion. If you have a question or a prompt for discussion, please submit it to us at averyweir.net. That's E-V-E-R-Y dash W-E-I-R dot net. You can find the show on Twitter at AudaciousCast or at Facebook.com slash AudaciousCast. Please take a moment to rate us on iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and I can be found on Twitter at Gregory Weir. I'm Melissa Avery Weir, and I can be found on Twitter at AveryMD. And together we run a video game studio called Futureproof Games, which you can visit at futureproofgames.com. Our theme music is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Talk to you later. Mm-hmm.